All right, Paul and I back here at political theory and um, other stuff. And we're doing chapter six of Capitalist Realism. And we are on page 42, is it, Paul? I believe so. Okay. You know, Paul, if you want to start her off, I'd love that. I would love to as well. I believe I'm starting at this is in part. I think so. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. <clears throat> this is in part a consequence of the inherent resistance of certain processes and services to marketization. The supposed in parentheses, the supposed marketization of education, for instance, rests on a confused and underdeveloped analogy. Colon. Are students the consumers of the service or its product? In parentheses. The idealized market was supposed to deliver friction-free exchanges in which the desires of consumers would be met directly without the need for intervention or mediation by regulatory agencies. Yet the drive to assess the performance of workers and to measure forms of labor which, by their nature, are resistant to quantification has inevitably required additional layers of management and bureaucracy. What we have is not a direct comparison of workers' performance or output, but a comparison between the audited representation of that performance and output. Inevitably, a short-circuiting occurs, and work becomes geared towards the generation and messaging of representations rather than to the official goals of the work itself. Indeed, an anthropological study of local government in Britain argues that more effort goes into ensuring that a local authority's services are represented correctly than goes into actually improving those services. This reversal of priorities is one of the hallmarks of a system which can be characterized without hyperbole as market Stalinism. What late capitalism repeats from Stalinism is just this valuing of symbols of achievement over actual achievement. As Marshall Berman explained, describing Stalin's White Sea Canal Project of 1931 through 1933. Stalin seems to have been so intent on creating a highly visible symbol of development that he pushed and squeezed the project in ways that only retarded the development of the project. Thus, the workers and the engineers were never allowed the time, money, or equipment necessary to build a canal that would be deep enough and safe enough to carry 20th century cargoes. Consequently, the canal has never played any significant role in Soviet commerce or industry. All the canal could support, apparently, were tourist steamers, which, in the 1930s, were abundantly stocked with Soviet and foreign writers who obligingly proclaimed the glories of the work. The canal was a triumph of publicity, but if half the care that went into the public relations campaign had been devoted to the work itself, there would have been far fewer victims and far more real developments, and the project would have been a genuine tragedy rather than a brutal farce in which real people were killed by pseudo-events. And I, he, they talk about this, but for me, the largest irony is that, like, obviously, a huge part of neoliberalism is predicated on how shitty communism was. You know, like, communism is still, it's 2020, uh, still like a, a boogeyman of sorts. Like, holy shit, we just better not lead towards communism. And ironically, I feel like this is the part that they highlight so much, like the inefficiency, like, I bet uh, I haven't heard this brought up a bunch, but I bet in circles that this canal project is brought up of like, see how stupid communism is? Look at this stupid fucking white sea canal. Ironically, that is the part of communism that neoliberalism has most emulated is like obscene bureaucracy oversight uh, for no purpose well, other than good publicity. 
Well, yeah, and it's not even bureaucratic oversight because if there was right. oversight, true. then it That's would have true. been properly done, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's literally just PR. It, yes. it has nothing to do with bureaucratic oversight and everything to do with PR. That is super frustrating. And I wonder if there had been less international scrutiny on the USSR, if Stalin would have done less th- of that, if he didn't... Right. If there wasn't pressure to prove that they could do this, you know, and do this as quickly, one would hope, at least, that there would have been less of that. And I think this is one of those things that our boy Destiny talks about is, or if he doesn't talk about this, it's funny because this is probably one of those books that he will never read and doesn't read it out of spite because he's had so many leftists tell him to read it. Yeah. But if he did read it, this I think to a certain extent would be something that he would love because it's one of those problems that seems to be universal, whether it be in neoliberalism or in, you know, a a society that's attempting to move towards communism, you still have excessive PR that, that trumps actual development. And that's unfortunate and disconcerting. Yeah. And it happens in so many places. Like such a tangent. I'm sorry randomly not too long ago i was just like fuck how much do video games like high-end video games take to make and uh so i was like looking up god of war and like uncharted and and those sorts of games and the development costs were like 40 50 million which was actually lower than i thought they would be but then total to market cost would be like 220 million and the extra stuff would be like marketing campaigns creating like special you know the like insanely expensive collector's editions sort of stuff all that sort of stuff was so much more money was spent on that than the game. And all I would wonder is, God, imagine how much better that game would be if they had given 60, 70 more million to game development instead of fucking ads that no people will not remember in three, four years. Did you look up um, how much they're spending on that sort of stuff for Star Citizen? I did not. not Because that would be interesting because, um, you know, that is just crowdfunded. And they've got, I think thus far they've funded or they've crowdfunded 220 million. And it's like the most. And and I would imagine that that gets to be put towards development because a lot of the marketing stipulations and stuff come from investors where they're like, oh, dude, this is what we need to be doing. Like, you know, you look at, I can't remember his name, the guy who made Stardew Valley, but there's quite a few people who made like smaller games. I, I just don't like Notch, so I don't want to talk about him but that made smaller games that went huge and they just kept putting that money either back into development or in the case of some of them, they just get to pocket it all. But either way, I'd way rather have that scenario than money being uh, wasted in these sorts of PR systems. Yeah. Um, And I don't, and I don't have any data for this and this is just conjecture, but I feel like if you make something quality, especially with social media, given time, it will become a classic or a cult classic on its own and you don't need to. And especially with video games, stuff. because it's not like the scenario, uh, you know, like when we were kids, uh, the internet wasn't as prevalent or existent. You just kind of had to rely on maybe an ad you saw or whatever to determine what was a good video game. Uh, and especially when parents were in that situation where they like for like a birthday or whatever, or grandparents would have to like go buy a random video game so many times the decisions were made on like things like that sort of shit but in this day and age that's not how it's decided like i never i can't tell you the last time that i just saw an ad and was like i need that game without like researching what like 20 people had said about it uh and i think a shit ton of people are in that category 
and even and they made it simple i'm still changing it but parents can just buy fucking playstation bucks or xbox live dollars like they don't have to pick video games anymore um so i think more than ever your point is true that like yes a game that is made well doesn't need to be advertised a shit ton like i'd be super willing to bet that nintendo has a much smaller advertising budget uh, yeah. and sells a crap ton more games than a lot of those other companies well and and like back to the star citizen thing it's like the advertising for that was so limited you know i mean it, it, if really at all it was just right. the developer just being like this is what we want to achieve this is how we think we're going to achieve it and people have just continually supported mm-hmm. them and then they've you know made betas and alphas that have showcased some of what they've achieved and it keeps people or at least some people excited about it that's awesome in a strange compulsion to to repeat the ostensibly anti-stalinist neoliberal new labor government has shown the same tendency to implement to implement initiatives in which real world effects matter only insofar as they register at the level of PR appearance. The notorious targets which the new labor government was so enthusiastic in imposing are a case in point. In a process that repeats itself with iron predictability, everywhere that they are installed, targets quickly cease to be a way of measuring performance and becomes become ends in themselves. Anxiety about falling standards in school exa- examinations is now a regular feature of summertime in Britain. Yet, if students are less skilled and knowledgeable than their predecessors, this is due not to a decline in the quality of examinations per se, but the fact that all of the teaching is geared towards passing the exams. Narrowing focus focused exam drill replaces a wider engagement with subjects. Similarly, hospitals perform many routine procedures instead of a few serious urgent operations because this allows them to hit the targets they are assessed on, operating rates, success rates, and reduction in waiting time more effectively. I want to say just really quick, first of all, uh, this is another example where are you, you motherfucker? I saw you earlier. Um, oh, yeah, okay. This is another thing that just like drives my ADD in, insane. I don't know why in so far is one word. What, right. Uh, Do you, can you explain that to me? No, I can't. I would just guess it's some sort of shit. I can't even remember anything about the English language right now. But what's it, a conjunction? when uh like they and are put together or whatever right uh and just some some sort of british conjunction yeah because <laughs> I, I i feel like to me not understanding grammar to me it seems like down below and i make this mistake all the time typing where it says the notorious targets which the new labor government was so enthusiastic in imposing are a case in point to me should be one word if in so far is one right. word right and then, like, or just using, Jesus Christ, I can't even remember the name of any punctuation marks. Like, dashes to connect words. What do you call like it? Like a hyphen? A hyphen, yes. Hyphenated words. The gameplay in that's pretty large, too. Like, I'm pretty sure you're allowed to hyphenate any words you intend to mean the same word. 
Uh, yeah. And this is another super tangent, but I like that about German. Uh, as long as you're using it in like a one word description, you're allowed to just cram words together in German, uh, okay. which is a pretty fun feature. And then the other thing I was, I mean, we've kind of already touched on this topic, but uh, we were talking about it with schooling, how we even saw with our schooling an increase in days focused on how to succeed at a test rather than just learning about the subject and and so on. And that's really disheartening and frustrating. Yeah, it was more, yeah, like just having to learn how to convey the targeted information you had in the correct way, as opposed to the focus being on like what information you're given. Not great for fostering inquisitive academic minds. Right, right. I'll do another one here. It would be a mistake to regard this market Stalinism as some devotion from the true uh, spirit. Sorry, deviation. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I, was, I always worry that you won't interrupt me and I'll just go with the wrong word. So thank you. It would be a mistake to regard this market Stalinism as some sort of deviation from the true spirit of capitalism. On the contrary, it would be better to say that an essential dimension of Stalinism was inhibited by its occasion association. association. Okay. Um, On the contrary, it would be better to say that an essential dimension of Stalinism was inhibited by its association with a social project like uh, socialism and can only emerge in a late capitalist culture in which images acquire an autonomous force. Uh, and I'm, I'll just finish the paragraph and then we can talk about that. Uh, the way value is generated on the stock exchange depends, of course, of course, less on what a company really does and more on perception of and the beliefs about its future performance. In capitalism, it is to say all that is solid melts into PR and late capitalism is defined at least as much by this ubiquitous, sorry, this ubiquitous tendency towards PR production as it is by imposition uh, imposition of uh, market mechanisms. So what, okay, so that sentence makes more sense to me now that I have the context of the rest of the paragraph. And basically all that's being said there is that, that Stalinism couldn't maximize its potential in a socialist framework that in the late capitalist framework where a PR is paramount, it right. is able to, to, to reach its zenith. And right. And while it doesn't like flat out say it, I just think the fact that it had to compete with capitalism forced it to do that. That's a world yeah. spectrum. Yeah. Because capitalism did frame everything in a PR competition in like a desire uh, well, they were both doing it, I suppose. Like both the communist regimes and capitalist regimes were trying to sway people onto their side. And I, I could be wrong about this, but I feel like the capitalist side really pushed that. Like it would choose events and it would be like, this is the hallmark decision between capitalism and communism. Uh, you know, like the space race, how much food was available at a grocery store at any time. They just picked these 
certain things. Uh, and somehow I feel like capitalism pushed that narrative of what the actual com- like competitive points should be on a, a PR scale. And then that like, communism had to like go with that. Like they had to like, oh, well, we can build just as good of buildings or we can do this just as fast. Uh, and they were forced into that shit by capitalism kind of touting those as the benefits of capitalism as opposed to like, oh, you have to wait for something to happen? Not in capitalism, that sort of shit. Yeah. Uh, and this ties into what you were saying about Elon Musk a few days ago or whatever, a few episodes ago, where his stock value plummeted because he was like, hey, I think our stock is overvalued. And then also, you know, the times where press release happens. A memo comes out from like Amazon being like, hey, we're thinking about possibly teaming up with other investors to possibly do healthcare. And then the insurance, other insurance companies stock plummets just from them saying that we might be thinking about doing this. And that ties into the whole and beliefs about its future performance, you know, and uh, the whole uh, PR production. Did you want to... um, Head up the next paragraph. Here, Zizek's elaboration of Lacan's concept of the big other is crucial. The big other is the collective fiction, the symbolic structure presupposed by any social field. The big other can never be encountered in itself. Instead, we only ever confront its stand-ins. These representatives are by no means always leaders. In the example of the White Sea Canal above, for instance, it wasn't Stalin himself who, has, who was the representative of the big other, as much as the Soviet and foreign writers who had to be persuaded of the glories of the project. One important dimension of the big other is that it does not know everything. It is this constitutive ignorance of the big other that allows public relations to function. Indeed, the big other could find as the consumer of PR and propaganda, the virtual figure which is required to believe even when no individual can. To use one of Zizek's example, who was it, for instance, who didn't know that really existing socialism, parentheses, R-E-S, was shabby and corrupt? Not any of the people who were all too aware of its shortcomings, nor any of the government administrators who couldn't but know. No, it was the big other who was the one deemed not to know, who wasn't allowed to know. The quotidian reality of R-E-S. Yet the distinction between what the big other knows, i.e., what is officially accepted, and what is widely known and experienced by actual individuals is very far from being merely emptily formal. Emptily formal. It is the discrepancy between the two that allows ordinary social reality to function. When the illusion that the big other did not know can no longer be maintained, the incorporeal fabric holding the social system together disintegrates. This is why Khrushchev's speech in 1965, in which he admitted the failings of the Soviet state, was so momentous. It is not as if anyone in the party was unaware of the atrocities and corruption carried out in its name, but Khrushchev's, Khrushchev's announcement made it impossible to believe anymore that the big other was ignorant of them. That's a just wild situation to be stuck in. I don't understand and what it's is being said. Well, like, um... You know, for instance, uh, for a modern example, like coronavirus, like from my perspective, it is very clear that in early May of 2020, that the American government did not handle the response to coronavirus well on a whole. Uh, We still have cases rising when a lot of other countries are kind of out of the thick of it. We're still doing terribly because 
uh, we were so hesitant to do anything that could be contrary to a booming economy. Um, and so you have, I mean, there are places that are doing well. I don't mean to say it's ubiquitous throughout the United States. Um, but the th switches is that we don't have just a widespread acceptance that we're fucking up. Like even um, media entities like CNN and MSNBC that were pretty critical of the initial response are now pretty much pushing like it's a decent time to reopen, like we should be starting to phase this in. Uh, and in a lot of places uh, within the last week, there've been multiple days where those are the largest single spikes. Um, so, but because we don't have this like whole acknowledgement by the people consuming the media, um, just by like that entity that is our societal belief, uh, we don't have this full pendulum swing going, hold the fuck on. Why is this going so shitty? We need to do a better job of this. And it is because that the other, that entity that needs to believe everything's okay is still moving along with the fact that, yeah, shit's probably okay. Maybe another example could be, it's like the big other being like maybe the the overall kind of like idea or, or, or framework or, or narrative of of our country doesn't believe in um, that the uh, that the justice system quote unquote has systemic racism in it right is that exactly okay. that's a great yes because like on an individual thought pattern i'd say most people you talk to at the end of the day would get down to like okay that's especially people up. of color you know right can yes tell oh, you yeah. about those yes. injustices but then there are still people who are allowed in every format to be like well you just don't understand the stress of being a police officer um even though right. the statistics don't bear this every person they interact with is possibly trying to kill them so they're just on edge all the time and well their guns are just right there like that sort of shit because that is still uh, a very noticeable and not just like fucked off fabric of society um yeah that shit will still stand um okay. so yeah i would say it is that like that teetering point between like, yes, lots of individuals realize this is fucked up, but not fucked up enough to do something about it. Maybe like we'll still accept that this is uh, a reasonable part of society or, that we or can maybe, push off. Or maybe it's like the, the, the individual, some individuals realize this, but the individuals that matter don't talk about it yes. publicly yeah. to change like the zeitgeist or the cultural like hegemony or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, like, uh, I'd say healthcare is a great example of it as well, where, like, dude, talk to any individual American about their healthcare, and they're going to be like, God, fucking damn it, my insurance sucks. This doctor wait time sucks. Uh, but you get, like, a group speak thing going on, and people are like, well, at least we're not in Europe, where people have to wait their whole lifetimes to get, you know, a doctor checkup and shit like that. Like, there's all these falsities still uh, behind it that allow the American public to accept it as what, you know, without, like, revolting. Um, do we want to, um, we no, I all... think that's a okay. good place to stop because yep. the next yep. time we start talking about really existing socialism. Yep. Live. Totally. And I just really, uh, the, the idea of big other is, is an, is an interesting one. And, yeah. um, and that I found that, uh, once, once I felt like I could get my head around it, I found that to be, and, uh, yeah. Know, and one last thing, like kind of, uh, well, I would have said, bigger switch if it wasn't uh, God, don't be mad at me uh i think it's shitty we ignore the tara reed thing the joe biden tara reed oh okay. Tara reed. okay uh but the me too movement was almost a good example of a switch of the big other uh where for years that sort of behavior mm. was just kind of like swept mm -hmm. under the rug it was known about people were aware of it but they're like ah well 
Uh, and then there was that switch where it's like, no, we're not going to accept this shit any longer. These people are going to be in trouble. And so that could almost be, uh, maybe it wasn't permanent, but there was a temporary switch of the big other's perspective of men being total shit bags. That's yeah. sick. That's a good example. And I also really enjoyed um, uh, his example of like PR in the USSR and how, and you know, I'm sure there, and I know there are other countless examples because they were in like a PR war yeah. versus capitalism. Yeah. I just, I didn't know about that uh, canal example. And I find, I find that interesting. So, oh, um, it's, uh... so yeah, next time we will be part three of chapter six of capitalist realism. We, you know, learned some shit, did a word of the day with, what was it? Quotidian. 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 And that's just like daily life, right? Yeah. Okay. Yep. 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 And um, yeah, learned some cool shit. Hope you guys had a good time and uh, we look forward to seeing you next time. Have a great day. <laughs>